always at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. We're back. We're together, Alex. Once again, back and better than ever. I'm, I'm excited about this episode. We've got a lot of stuff to get into. Uh, so, tons of tons of stuff to get into, man. Lots of stuff happened. That stuff stuff was going on. I, don't, I, almost, I just can't fathom the amount yeah. of things that happened. <laughs> and it's, a little, it's a little crazy to think about how many things have been happening. TCC, hit that like button right now if you have not already. And uh, subscribe if you haven't already because Ant... 49ers news is rolling uh, heavy. It's rolling in the D E E, and it was rolling heavy in the deep last week. On top of drama, on top of OTAs, on top of rookie show, everything seems to be happening right now in San Francisco land. Wait, there was drama last week. Uh, apparently, something happened. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not 100. I, I, I thought sure. maybe you got to you know duck, dip, dive, and dodge all the I stuff mean, that was going. I, I thought on. I got you, man. I yeah. thought I got you, but that just that's just not how it happened. It's but it's fine. It's it's a okay. It's it's gonna be all right. Uh, but the cutback crew, man, lots of stuff happening, and, and a lot of stuff happening in the 49ers front in terms of people breaking down the 49ers, whether it's Trey Lance and breaking down arm motion, Trey Lance, breaking down what he's going to look like in the office, Trey Lance, yeah. what his stats look like, and the arm angle, the percentage of the throws with the arm angle through OTAs. Complete graphs. Uh, t- t- uh, tons of graphs, <laughs> and all of the graphs. It's hard to, to fathom how much Trey Lance talk is going on, but it's also not surprising that it's happening. No, I mean, and there's even, uh, even conversations going on about what if Jimmy Garoppolo is the starting quarterback in San Francisco? That's true. Uh, so I think that a lot of times, you know, different things happen. And right now, one of the things that's happening is the 49ers are a topic of conversation because really people are trying to figure out uh, exactly, you know, what the 49ers are doing at the quarterback position. And it's one of the biggest decisions that still needs to be made. So I'm, I'm completely excited about uh, what's going to happen in San Francisco land and 49ers land. And we're going to have mini camp. Of course, tomorrow is open to the media so we'll get even more tidbits from uh from uh, OTAs tomorrow. That's very true and we're going to get lots of uh, tidbits of OTAs and lots of things going on and tons of things going on and and TCC. I mean this is very interesting everything that's going on with Trey Lance and all the talks surrounding Jimmy Garoppolo and in fact PFF going so far as to ranking the Niners ninth ninth in the preseason polls their I guess preseason pre 2022 power rankings list because specifically of Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I thought that was interesting that Jimmy Garoppolo is the reasoning behind the 49ers be ranked, being ranked in the top 10 according to PFF. And the reason I find it interesting is in, in that article where they're talking about the reasons why the 49ers are ranked ninth with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm, they basically say the 49ers can overcome having almost any quarterback because of the talent around the quarterback and also Kyle Shanahan's system. So it makes you wonder why they wouldn't be top 10 with Trey Lance at quarterback and only top 10 uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. That's true. It, it, it would wonder why. Where, where would they put Trey Lance? I find it funny, and that they decided to not include that. Not yeah. include this whole, well, if Trey were quarterback, it'd be here. It's almost like they don't want to step out on that ledge and put themselves out there in, in the Trey or Jimmy camp. But here's the thing. They're not technically wrong. We've seen what the Niners are with Jimmy Garoppolo. They're a team that rallies behind who their quarterback is, and and what you have seen is Kyle Shanahan, this coaching staff, this front office, build a roster that just needs a competent person behind center that can complete balls and not be Pick Mullins. As long as they're not Pick Mullins or C.J. Beathard, 
this offense can function and thrive. It functioned and thrived with Trey Lance last year in the couple games that he played. Yes, they won one and lost one, uh, but they thrived with Jimmy Garoppolo. Struggled early, came back late, made the playoffs, did the things they needed to do, and made it all the way to the NFC Championship game. Yeah, I think I find it interesting that last year all the conversation was about how Jimmy Garoppolo was inept. He wasn't able to run the offense you know, from the national media. They didn't like Jimmy Garoppolo being there, uh, that he was a real problem for you know, the 49ers. And now what is it for now? Jimmy Garoppolo is, is the guy Trey Lance is the one that's, you know, going through It's almost like as soon as Trey Lance became the, you know, the in so facto uh, starter that all of a sudden he was the one that was taking the shots. Everyone's going after him and saying, potentially he's not that guy. I find it interesting, and, and really what it comes down to, Alex, is I think something we both know is the most popular guy on the team is usually the backup quarterback. Everyone likes him. You're not what, wrong. Could, what could he eventually do? Uh, and I think that's what's happening right now with the San Francisco 49ers is right now nobody knows what they're getting out of Trey Lance, so they're going to go ahead and throw some little things at him and try to you know, build up their uh, their their tread a little bit. They're yeah, trying to build bit. things up so that way they can Smith. have fun conversations because they want to make sure that potentially they have something to go after Trey about later. Um, yeah, yeah, just just a smidge. Just a little bit. I mean, this is the thing, right? This was the thought process going into all of this. It was once Jimmy didn't get dealt, the, you, you know, everybody knew, we knew. We've been sitting here saying this now for, for months on end. This was going to turn into the Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance saga 2.0. That's all this was going to be until we know what's going on with Jimmy. I saw Ronnie brought up now just down the chat. Winston limping around out there for the Saints. Maybe Jimmy G is a landing spot there. I think there's a lot of opportunities on a lot of teams in a lot of places, including teams like the Giants who moved off of their cornerback in order to free up a lot of cap space that could still make a move. I don't think any of these teams that are going into the season with question marks at the quarterback position, whether that's Carolina, whether that's the Saints team, uh, whether that's a, a team like we've talked about, right, with the New York Giants, there's a lot of teams with question marks. None of them are set solid sold on the guy that they have, and all of them could be potential landing spots. The question is when, right? When do those teams pull the trigger? When do they get aggressive calling up San Francisco, knowing they need to get this deal done now? And when does San Francisco go, hey, there's enough coming our way now that this makes sense. But it has to make sense for San Francisco. Otherwise, we could be sitting in this situation for a little bit longer than people would like to be in. Yeah, and I think really what it comes down to is there's going to be a lot of questions about Jimmy Garoppolo, but none of those can be answered until he can clear you know, his injury. So he's cleared physically um, there's not going to be any movement from him. Number one, he's not going to get cut by the 49ers or he's not going to get traded because these teams want to make sure that he can throw the football at the level he was able to uh, before the shoulder injury. So it's a waiting game. And we know that the conversations were always late June, early July. Potentially, Jimmy Garoppolo would start throwing the football. So those are things that we're still on that timetable to look for. And Ronnie Montoya bringing up the Saints, that's an interesting thing, right? The 49ers uh, could potentially be interested in trading him to the Saints. Here's the problem. Drew Brees is still out there talking about his future and where he could ultimately end up saying he's not sure he's going to be back at NBC. He could play football again. He could retire. He could go golf. Uh, with that being out into the ether, there's always the potential of another quarterback messing up the 49ers' plans of moving. But I do think as of right now, Carolina and the New York Giants are still uh, the leaders in the clubhouse. Those two teams do feel like the leaders in the clubhouse. And, and I don't think any, I haven't seen anything right now coming out. I've seen no information coming out. I've seen no signs that make me believe that Trey isn't going to be the starter and that Jimmy is going to be sticking around. It's just a waiting game, right? It's patience right now at this point. That's all it can be at this moment in time. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how this thing plays out. We'll see what happens and what occurs. Um, and Trey Lance's continual development during OTAs, during training camp, all of that is going to continue to, to kind of 
maybe not determine where the ship starts to go or where the ship sails to, but it's going to determine at least the path that the Niners are going to be taking and may open some eyes and open some insight into how the 49ers plan to deal with this quarterback position going forward. Uh, PFS has has them ranked ninth with Jimmy Garoppolo. What could they possibly be with Trey Lance? Everyone wants to speculate on that. People were speculating on that last year through just a couple, uh, just a handful of games out of a 21-year-old kid. Um, but look, we, we know that Trey is developing. We know that he's changing some things. Yeah. Uh, and one of the big things, and we talked about this a little bit over the weekend, was Trey Lance and the arm angle and the throwing motion. Because I've seen a lot of people on a lot of social media sites and a lot of places posting videos of Trey, talking about the, the throwing motion, how much better it looks. People going so far as to say nothing has changed and nothing's different. And I'm sitting here laughing about it because it's just so funny to me that people want to ignore corrections that have obviously been made, the small steps, but also... Uh, want to blow up the small, subtle changes as if now it's a completely different quarterback and everything's changed entirely. No, you you tweak things, right? You make small, subtle changes to improve the things you don't do well in the hopes that it has bigger, longing, longer, impactful, positive changes for you as a quarterback going forward. Yeah, I think it's a step in the process, you know, and the angle of his arm definitely has changed a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, it's definitely a little bit more three-quarters release, and it's going to allow him to get rid of the football a little bit quicker. Not a lot quicker, but a little bit quicker, and I think it's a, it's a process. It's a step towards a direction at which they get it to where they ultimately want it, but this is the step that they needed to make, and I do like the fact that the 49ers, you know, offseason, Trey Lance has worked with the quarterback coach to get this to where uh, he's going to be able to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker and hopefully a little bit more accurate. But the Alex, the conversation over you know last week was Trey Lance coming out and talking about how his finger wasn't healthy during the entire season. And I know me and you, I, I don't know how you felt about it, but I thought for a fact that Trey Lance did get healthy at some point with the finger. The fact that he hasn't been healthy the entire season with the finger, uh, it makes me think that you know that was a part of his accuracy issues. He talked about having to change the way he held the football the way it came off of his hand was a little bit different. All those things make me think that Trey Lance is going to be a little bit more accurate. You couple in the fact that you're going to have the three-quarter release, and I think things just get a little bit better. Look, the three-quarter release is going to help him get the ball out quicker. It's going to help him do a couple little things. It's not going to fundamentally change everything that he does, but your hope, what your hope is is that if you can get the ball out just a little bit quicker without losing some of that velocity that he has in the football, then that is the difference maker that he needs to be able to not be as precise as a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of pre-diagnosing, knowing where he's supposed to go, in the, go with the football and getting that ball out of his hands, you know, almost pre-snap, right? Knowing exactly, hey, I'm going here. This is the coverage that I'm seeing. He's got a little bit more of a wiggle room, a little bit more of a window, a little bit more leeway, which is what you want. Um, I, you know, until you can actually see it as well, and this is the thing, right? This is the thing last year that I talked about a lot going into training camp after he got drafted was this, all of the, the changes that we've seen out of him in this pro day and all that, all those things are great, but what does it look like when the bullets start flying? Now, granted, he did some nice things in OTAs and some stuff on film that makes me think he's definitely in a better spot right now this year in OTAs heading into training camp and everything else in the preseason than he was the year before, which means development. And in a shocking turn of events, his quarterback coach, this staff himself putting in the work, getting him better and in, in, in a better spot, right? Further along in the process in terms of where they want him and what he can do than he was last year. And as long as he keeps doing those things, it's going to be his job sooner rather than later. And I think everybody at this point is seeing the writing on the wall and understanding it's sooner. It's coming right now. Yeah, I think so. I think when it comes to the accuracy things, I, I think a lot more has been put into the actual motion and him being able to do that at a faster level than it has been his understanding of where people are going to be in certain situations 
You know, and there's been a lot of conversation in chat about the wobble that comes along with this football. The wobble last year could have had a lot to do with the finger, if you really think True. about it. But the other thing it can be is if you're squeezing the football too tight as a quarterback, and you have a quarterback that maybe is a little bit nervous because he's a lot of things are happening that he's not used to seeing, and he squeezes that football a little bit too tight to get the ball out, and all of a sudden there's a wobble. Uh, but you know what happens if there's bigger windows? The wobble doesn't matter. It's still going to be a catchable football. You're going to be able to make it. Not everyone can throw a Joe Montana perfectly spiraled football. All the time. Uh, yeah, all the time. No one, not everyone can do that. Darn it. Uh, and I, I think that Trey's going to develop, and he's, his wobble will probably get lesser and lesser as he continues to develop in this system. But there's a lot of things that he's going to get better at just because he's just going to have experience. And experience definitely helps a quarterback in the NFL. 100%. Experience helps just about anybody in any profession, right? Any job. Anytime you are more experienced, you're more prepared, you're more comfortable in the setting, the surroundings, what can happen, um, you know, what you're going to see, how to react and respond to said things, uh, the better you're going to be about it. And the, the nice thing is, too, Ant, is when you got a guy, a boss, an instructor, someone in front, on top, leading you, like Kyle Shanahan, who's really good at putting you in positions to be successful, Kyle does that very well with a lot of players. So as much as people have bashed and disliked Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan put Jimmy in a lot of great spots and great positions and great opportunities to make plays, and a lot of times he made plays. There were a lot of times where he missed plays where he shouldn't have. Kyle Juszczyk can attest to this. 49ers fans can attest to this. Depot Samuel can attest to this in the fourth quarter of the NFC Championship game. That being said, there were a lot of times where he did hit on those opportunities, and if Jimmy Garoppolo is a limited quarterback who can't do certain things, and Kyle is still able to put him in a lot of good spots, then Trey Lance, whose talent and sky is the limit, is going to have a better opportunity to do even more with the same guy giving him those same opportunities, just in a slightly different way. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that I talked about, you know, when you were on your break, was the fact that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo has an elite trait in the quick release, and that was something that he does very well, and that his kind of really good skill sets are a little bit different from what Trey Lance's skill sets are, where Trey is so good outside the numbers and then down the field. Jimmy Garoppolo was very good in that middle and that void. So right now, Kyle Shannon is going to be able to ex expand this field horizontally right away. He's going to be able to use all of it that way, which Jimmy couldn't use all the way outside the numbers consistently. So that helps that way. And then he helps it vertically, getting it all the way down the field. That should, in fact, open up the middle enough for him to not have such tight windows that Jimmy Garoppolo had to deal with. Jimmy Garoppolo was throwing into some of those tight windows and doing a very good job at it, by the way. But that open void is where Trey Lance is going to have to live because Kyle Shannon's natural offense creates the void there where there will be places to be able to hit Debo, George Kittle, and Brian Ayuk where they're at their absolute best. So I think that that's an area he's got to improve, and that's something that we were talking about, the, the velocity at which he throws the ball. I'm a little concerned if he starts really throwing it hard over the middle and creating possibilities for turnovers. Yeah, because tips, I mean, whenever you're yeah. throwing that hard over the middle of the field, intermediate portions, the ball, all it takes is a finger. A finger can careen that ball and send it into just a not great spot. Let's just leave it at that, TCC, right? Him gripping the ball too tight can cause a wobble or a bobble, as, as the chat's been I, saying. I, I love what David said. As long as the wobble doesn't cause a bobble. Hey, as long as the wobble <laughs> don't cause a bobble. Which, yeah. in, in theory, it could. It yeah. could cause a, a bobble. That's possible. But, you know, those wobbles, just from the throwing, uh, imagine what a wobble looks like once the ball has been released and is traveling it. You know, it's full velocity five yards down, and then a finger nixes it. That thing could do a lot of different things. And, and could spin off in a lot of different directions and fly in a bunch of different directions. The thing could sail as well. So it is a concern. It always has been a concern. But like you just talked about, being able to take the top off the defense, being able to play to those strengths is going to force defenses to attack this 49ers offense differently. 
what are you allowing to give up and what are you allowing? There were a lot of times where defenses and teams, because they knew Jimmy Garoppolo or this run game was dominant and they knew Jimmy wasn't the type of guy to take the shots deep, were willing to press that line of scrimmage, really commit to the run and say, hey, Jimmy, you're going to take either take a shot over the middle or you're going to throw in traffic. Now, luckily for the Niners, Jimmy threw well in traffic in the, into windows most of the time. I'd say 75%, 80% of the time when he's thrown in traffic, uh, it wasn't necessarily an errant throw. It was a throw that was either on the spot or a tough throw that maybe gets batted, maybe sails a little bit, either incomplete, completed, or obviously getting picked off. And that was frustrating for the Niners, it's, for fans, because it's risky, right? It's yeah. a risky throw. Trey doesn't necessarily have to make those types of throws because he's going to be able to take the top off the defense. If you're going to commit that many guys up front into the box at the line of scrimmage to stop this run game, you are daring Trey Lance to use his best weapon and his best asset, which is touch on those deep balls. I know people knock Trey on touch all the time, Ant. He doesn't have touch. Alex, what are you talking about? Watch him throw a deep ball and then say that again because he has nothing but touch on deep footballs. Yeah, and you gave him Danny Gray. You know what I mean? The 49ers mm-hmm. went out and got him Danny Gray, mm-hmm. a guy that's going to be able to take the top off the defense and go deep. You throw in the fact that Brian Ayuk is going to be able to win consistently down the field now because he was getting a lot more separation at the end of the year than he was getting during the year. Uh, early on in the year. I mean, when he was uh, around the doghouse, as it would be. But three yards of separation is plenty, and I think Brandon Yuke is going to do a really good job down the field, and I think that's going to help Trey Lance out a lot. So I'm excited about that potential for sure. You know, and Ronnie had a nice question in the in chat. Do you think the speed of the NFL will slow down for Trey Lance? some point, yes. Um, the problem is, is he's 21, 22 years old right now. That's what he's coming into right now. He's a young man who hasn't seen a lot of football just playing at any sort of level, even at the collegiate level, at the quarterback position. So it's going to take some time for it to slow down. Here's the good news, right? Here's the really, really good news. Trey Lance went in last year as a 21-year-old aunt, and the game didn't look too fast for him. It looked like he was confused about things, but he didn't look entirely lost. He looked like he struggled at time to make some reads, but he didn't look so lost that he was throwing the ball kind of like Josh Rosen where he's throwing into three, four guys at a time. And you're sitting there going, what could you have possibly seen there? Trey wasn't making those types of mistakes. So you have a guy who doesn't have necessarily all of the experience in the world going in to a stage at the NFL, which it's the the highest level. It's the 1% of the 1%. And these are the best of the best in the world. And he doesn't look like a scared puppy. He doesn't look like he has no idea what's going on. In fact, he looks competent most of the time. Maybe he just struggles to find things as quickly as you'd like him to. But guess what? Time is his ally. It's his friend. It's going to help him improve. Also, Ant, he has tons of it. He's 22 years old. He's got nothing but time. Yeah, and the NFL better sure as heck hope it doesn't slow down for him. Because if it does slow down for him, you're about to get picked apart. Because this dude has all kinds of elite skills. Number one, the guy's intelligent off the charts. And then you got an absolute cannon for an arm. I, I think it's it's one of those things the NFL doesn't want to do because the more comfortable Trey Lance gets, the more dangerous he gets. We've already seen him be able to extend plays last year and be able to create on the run. And I think that's something that's only going to develop as he gets more comfortable. If he starts hitting on-schedule throws because he feel, feels comfortable where receivers are going to be and he is able to manipulate defenders with his eyes, Uh, Good luck stopping this kid. And that's when the 49ers go from being that top nine type team to being one of the absolute best in the league because he will ascend to being an NFL MVP caliber player. That's not what you want. So they better hope that he has some some sort of a sophomore slump to where the speed of the game doesn't slow down for him. Because if he does... Good luck. And that's possible. Yeah. Like sophomore slumps are a real thing and a real problem in the NFL. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, we all just saw him go through one. Now, granted... It wasn't due to play or talent necessarily, maybe so much as himself shooting himself in said foot early in the season. 
Trey definitely isn't showing signs of that being the, the case of the problem. So let's hopefully we avoid sophomore slumps. Yeah, sophomore slumps would be great to avoid. And you know what? I think it was the draft network, right? The draft yeah. network ant is saying that there is going to be no sophomore slump for Trey Lance because they put up some gaudy statistical what guesstimates? I'm assuming this is their prediction. It's their projection. Yeah, this is projection for the 2022 season. Uh, 3,900 passing yards. Yeah, 3,998 too. So almost 4,000 passing yards for Trey Lance, and 28 touchdowns. Like that is one heck of a season. I mean, you right away, right there. What does that remind you of? Jimmy Garoppolo's 2019 season, yeah, right? It it's eerily close. Eerily close. So if we're getting that project uh, pr production from Trey Lance in the quarterback position. I feel pretty darn good because I feel like the defense could actually be better than the 2019 defense. Agreed with you on that. Yeah. It has the, all the, the makings and the looks of it, right? You have your elite corner on the outside. You have a much better, a much improved Emmanuel Mosley. If you potentially get the, the best version of Jason Verrett, your cornerback yeah. position is better than it's ever been. Uh, your safety room is looking solid. It's looking nice. Your front seven looks the best that it's ever looked uh, in I quite some time. The NFL. I would agree with you on that. Yeah. And I think there's an argument to me making this being the best front top to bottom uh, at every single position. But on top of those numbers, you just talked about the almost 4,000 yards, the 28 passing touchdowns and 706 rushing <laughs> yards made me giggle because I'm asking what, what, what did, he, what did Trey Lance do last year to make you think he's rushing for 706 yards? He didn't bust out 20-plus yard runs last year. It's a lot of short yardage stuff, and I think that's how the Niners plan to use him. I think people are putting way too much stock right now in the legs of Trey Lance. Yeah, I think they're wanting something to latch on to, and this is no different than even Madden giving him an 89 overall speed. Yeah, I, I think that people are valuing the run because they see the way he had to scramble and extend plays last year, and then the fact that Kyle Shanahan leaned on his legs a little bit during the season because he wasn't ready in other areas. But I don't think that's something that Kyle Shanahan really wants to go to. I think Kyle Shanahan wants, you know, Trey Lance to be able to operate from the pocket, get the ball out on schedule, and be able to manage this offense the same way that Jimmy Garoppolo did, just with the elite traits to be able to get the ball down the field um, to big-time receivers and then outside the numbers. Then when all hell breaks loose and you've got to get outside the pocket and extend things, go make something happen, kid. That's what he wants. Do I think there'll be some times where he has a fourth and one and he expects him to get the first down? Yes. Do I think he's going to pull the ball on some read options? Absolutely. I think all those things are going to be a part of the playbook, but I do not believe that Trey Lance is going to go out there and Kyle Shanahan is not going to try to pull the trigger on him getting 700 yards uh, rushing. If, if those are scrambling situations, if most of those come from scrambling situations, then I am questioning, number one, whether the offensive line ever got gelled or number two, if he's still struggling to find, you know, to operate in this offense and find open receivers. Yep. So I think we want this rushing a number to be lower than that. And I think if it is, then he'll actually have a better season. Agreed. I would pr I would prefer those passing yards being right. I, I would love it if those passing yards could be right where they are. That that almost four thousand yards passing would be absolutely glorious, and if that can be the case. And, and now you know why I chuckled. Oh boy, what a time! Let's see here the two dollars super chat here from Tommy. Let's see what Tommy had to say, and. The San Francisco Giants score like the Shermanator. Oh, that means they're not scoring a whole lot. Poor, poor Giants. Sex robots and back in time. <laughs> I am the Shermanator. Come back in time. Uh, anyway, uh, look, I, I think the 706 is a little bit ridiculous, and I agree. Those two things you talked about are, would be the biggest concerns. Yeah. A, he can't find targets. He's not finding guys in the offense fast enough. Or B, the O-line is absolute hot garbage. Dookie can't protect him for longer than two and a half seconds, and he has to scramble in order to make plays. Um, it's nice to have that skill set, uh, but what you're going to end up doing is running him out of town, much like 
the, the Seahawks ran Russell Wilson at times. You cannot protect your quarterback if you cannot let him sit back there, uh, be comfortable, and be able to make plays with his arms and not have to rely on his place to make plays with his arms. You're going to have an unhappy quarterback in the future. That's way too early for him to be unhappy after one season, obviously, but it's something you need to address. Uh, the three rushing touchdowns, I think, is actually a low number. So it's funny. I thought that the rushing yards was ridiculously high and the rushing touchdowns, they had him down for three, is a bit low. Yeah, I thought overall that looking at the numbers, if you just took out the 706 rush yards, it feels very Jimmy. You know what I mean? Very 2019 Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes. Yes. Uh, it really does. I mean, they even have him having 14 interceptions. Two to one. Yeah, so 14 interceptions, two to one ratio. I think I would feel very happy with that 100%. for Trey Lance's first year as a starting quarterback. In fact, I believe that with these numbers, the 49ers have a really good opportunity to, w- to win the Super Bowl. So hold on. If, Are you saying that if Jimmy was the quarterback, Ant, that the Niners would still have a pretty good chance to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, well, they did. I mean, they <laughs> did in 2019. They got all the way there. And then, you know, in 2021, they were you know three points away from potentially going and playing the Bengals, who they had already beat during the season. It's true. Yeah, I would feel pretty confident with Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback. And if Trey Lance is putting up these kind of numbers, I think that's a step above what Jimmy can do because of the rush ability and the able to extend plays. So I think right away, if this is the numbers we're going to get from Trey Lance, the 49ers have a better chance to win the Super Bowl with Trey Lance and these numbers compared to what we got from Jimmy Garoppolo last year. That's no slight on Jimmy. Uh, That's just, I'm honestly kind of shocked that they went this high with the numbers. Uh, but I like to see it. I hope it happens. I hope it happens as well. And I want this to happen. I want the kid to have success because if the kid has success, then the Niners are having success. And if the Niners are having success, and then we're talking about playoff content. We're talking about Super Bowl potential content. We're talking about the Niners having a chance to be the, the victors, right? Bring home that sixth Lombardi trophy. The quest for six officially over. And now we turn our attentions to solidifying ourselves as one of the best organizations and franchises in NFL history yet again, because that's where we deserve to be with all of the things that's happened to this organization and how much they've overcome in such a short amount of time. They just got to get over the hump first. And if Trey can put up those types of numbers and those types of stats, you're in a much better spot. I'll tell you the one thing I do know is that we've seen opportunities where Jimmy Garoppolo gets absolutely you know, rush like crazy by a front seven, and they get after him in a big way. Trey Lance can possibly get out of those situations. This year against the Rams, when when Jimmy had to throw that weird behind-the-back uh, p- pass that got intercepted, you know, in those situations, could Trey have gotten away? You know, I think those are some things I'm curious to see during the season if Trey's physical gifts are going to allow him to get out of some bad things that are, could happen to this offense, and then he can make something special out of him. If he can do that, if he can have a little bit of Russell Wilson effect, at the end of football games, the 49ers might actually win a little bit more games and not so much that his numbers are going to be way different than Jimmy just because he got, instead of taking a sack, he created a play. Uh, very true. And that's the, that's one of the differences with, with Trey Lance that you could see that turns the tide for the Niners offense in terms of maybe taking some of those series ant where you stall out and get no points and yeah. come away with something because something in some situations would be better than nothing. Uh, and good for Caleb ant. I love Eating, it. He eats success for breakfast and with skim milk. Yeah. Wow. It's a straight heavyweights quote. You gotta love the heavyweights quote. That's glorious, man. <laughs> it's just glorious, and it's absolutely glorious. Uh, but look, all all of the stuff with Trey, all of the stuff with this team, uh, Ty Davis Price and how he's looking, so, how yeah. he's looked so far through all the all the rookie minicamp stuff and everything that was going on there with this team. I'm I'm very excited about what this 49ers offense could look like, what this team could be doing going forward. And I watched the the offensive breakdown video and the defensive breakdown video you did the live here with the chat. And yeah, everything that you were hitting on in those videos, both of them, Ant, are the things that I'm the most excited about. All the players, all the positions, all the possibilities. 
the different construction of the team and how they can attack attack in similar ways, but with a variety of different pieces in, in different factions uh, is exciting. Yeah, and Anthony Lynn had some interesting comments. So the assistant coaches got to talk. Sure. And it was some of the most compelling uh, conversation that I've seen because they were giving more in-depth insight on not only how they approach you know, the different players in their rooms, uh, but how these players are going to be used. And Anthony Lynn was talking about uh, TDP, you know, Tyrion Davis-Price. And the one thing about it, he was talking about they liked his size and speed and that he was unlike any player on the team, which I found interesting because I thought him and Trey Sermon, size-wise and, and physicality-wise, were going to be similar. Anthony Lynn is saying we don't have any running back on our team as physical as him. So he's the one that they expect to bring the physicality, which means he's the one I expect in the game, fourth and one, yep. goal line. This is a question we got last week, and I wasn't sure. This completely cleared it up. TDP is that guy. Yeah, I mean, he said, right, as you can see, his play speed, it's okay. It's good. His energy, it's good. His physicality, we're not asking him to carry a load. We are having asking him to come in and shore up the backfield, which means, yes, uh, that Jeff Wilson Jr. role we saw a few years ago, scrap it jeff wilson jr ain't in that role anymore folks this is tdp's role and if that's the case if this is tdp's role what in the world is trey sermon's role what could it possibly be because i don't think i don't think there's any world in which he's the one b to elijah mitchell's one a right it's not that it can't be that is trey sermon in bigger trouble I don't think he's in big trouble because he's a third-round pick. True. Uh, but I do believe that this is it, right? Like, he has to prove something this season. The one thing I brought up, and I want to see how you feel about this, Alex, during the week, was the fact that potentially Trey Sermon, instead of them trying to go back to developing him into a one-cut-and-go guy, they could actually use his current skill set as it is True. in this shotgun offense with, with uh, Trey Lance. Maybe if they did that, they could take advantage of his uh, potential. Uh, so I don't know how you feel about that. Could they be just going back to Trey Sermon, running more read option, pressing to the line of scrimmage, jump cutting a different avenue? So that way they have Ty Davis Price, the big back who has the one cut and go, Elijah Mitchell that can do it all, Jeff Wilson Jr., the third down back, and then Trey Sermon doing some stuff with Trey Lance in the shotgun. Yes, you 100% can. There's just one problem, though. You become very predictable when Trey Sermon is in the football game in terms of running style, scheme, what you're doing, because he's limited as a running back in terms of schemes and styles of running that's true right? you you can kind of predict what you're going to be utilizing him for because you know what you're not going to be utilizing him for a whole lot and not going to be utilizing him in pass routes and pass situations because no. he hasn't demonstrated they can catch the football still no. so you become very boxed in as an offense something that we talked about defensively last year not wanting to be put in a box right we don't want corners who can only do cover three type skill sets that are kind of pigeonholed into one role because it pigeonholes the defense and when you pigeonhole the defense there's going to be some issues and some problems. You don't want that. So if you don't want that defensively, why in the world would you want that offensively? Are there going to be situations where it's beneficial and helpful? Absolutely. It can be. Absolutely. But once he's in the football game, in those shotgun sets, and you're running read option, teams and defenses know what you're looking for, right? And you can come up with schemes. You can come up with run fits. You can come up with ways to try and take certain things away or make Trey Sermon have to run and play to a skill set that is not his. Yeah, it's interesting, right? I thought that's why it was an interesting fit last year. Uh, the one thing I'll say is maybe you use that to your advantage, though, as no, a play true. caller. True. If they think they know what they're going to get, then all of a sudden you start running some RPO out of it. Now, that's if Trey Lance can handle running RPO 
you know, he starts feeling confident enough. If they think you're always going to run read option with Trey Sermon, then boom, pull it. That linebacker commits, wham, hit that ball over the middle. And that's why they drafted Brock Purdy because this draft class ran more RPOs, the quarterback position, than any draft class in recent history. And that's what they're going to put Brock Purdy in in those situations. No, they're not. I'm sure he will in practice because he's going to be a part of the practice squad. Accurate. Um, And I I should have worn my Brock Purdy jersey. I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. What do you think? I I don't know what I was thinking. Don't worry. I didn't didn't get a chance to get my my Kinlaw stand shirt ready, but everyone can see I'm, I'm Kinlaw standing today. Yeah. Uh, David V up the membership and 10 months wow. TCC LFG. Well done. Let's, let's freaking goose. That was let's let's freaking goose. Let's oh, freaking let's, go. let's freaking go. Got yeah, it, got, it, got it. Thank yeah. you, David. We appreciate that, man. Um, but no, this this is this is exciting times for San Francisco. This offense, this coaching staff diving into the positions. I'm not shocked that TDP Ant is going to have a big heavy role in this offense. I think you and I both, as we started watching film, I know Horse was the same way. Once we all started watching film of this guy and looking at him and being like, "Oh my God!" Like this guy developed. This guy kind of fits in the scheme. This definitely feels like this is something the Niners were licking their chops over in terms of getting. It seems like that is the case, top to bottom. That they love this guy. The question was just going to be what the role is and what it could look like. And it looks like they expect this guy to be the pounder, the bruiser, which means Elijah Mitchell maybe maybe taking a little bit of a shift away. They don't need to rely on him in those short downs to give him the football to get those yards. Yeah, I think it's a nice alternative. You know, being able to put in a big physical running back that can wear down a defense is nice. And being able to rotate through guys, Jeff Wilson Jr. You know, packs a load. Elijah Mitchell packs a load. So I think it would be nice. You know, for every single one of those guys to be in there and be able to rotate. It also is going to allow you some opportunities where you don't have to give Elijah Mitchell early carries, and then you can play him on third down because he was developing as a third down receiver, being able to catch the ball in the flat. He's a nice check down guy and a guy that can definitely create mismatches against linebackers and safety. So I think Elijah Mitchell is going to become a more do-it-all type of back, and then they're going to use these other guys sprinkled in you know, to be able to uh, help him out and carry some of the load. And I'm sorry, but if they keep rotating these guys through, through, and through, it's going to wear down a defense enough where you're going to create big plays down the field because now you have the speed to be able to attack that way. Kyle Shanahan is definitely getting the weapons that he needs, and he's decided uh, with the addition of TDP, they're going to run even more gap scheme than they've run in the past. I'm guessing the gap scheme is more equivalent to what they ran in 2019, which is far more than they ran in 2021 because of all the running back injuries. Uh, very true, Ant, and we saw how successful that gap running scheme was, even with a guy like Raheem Mostert, who was taking runs to the house, um, a guy like TDP who's shown the patience, shown the vision, has shown the ability to maneuver through and, and kind of press through on guys and then find holes and gaps. Even Elijah Mitchell has shown they can squeeze through little spaces that most people aren't even noticing or believing that are there. You add both of those guys, that's a nice one-two punch there. If they both develop, you have two young, fresh-legged running backs in this backfield and who could be a, a problem. And one of the better, more maybe more underrated, underappreciated running back combinations and running back duos in the NFL. Yeah, I think so. I think the 49ers have really done a good job of building this running back room. Uh, I'm excited about the potential of, you know, all four guys and then Jamichael Hasty as well. We know Hasty's going to be in a competition just to hold on to his roster spot because I really do believe Jeff Wilson Jr. is going to be tabbed as that third down back. The way he's able to catch the ball but still run with the physicality, be able to help, you know, in pass protection. I think he just does it at a little bit higher level than Jamichael Hasty. Last year he wasn't healthy and able to help in that area. Um, so I think he's going to get some of that role and and some of those things. And then we just saw, we've saw Trey Sermon not be able to catch the football at a high level. So he's not ultimately going to be used in that area. Nope. Hopefully he gets better. And so. then, and, and then the things I saw uh, from rookie minicamp from TDP, he wasn't looking smooth, comfortable and confident catching the football, in the backfield either. 
So I think that right now, those guys are more short yardage type backs. And then I think Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson Jr. do it all, guys. That's accurate. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. definitely has no problems catching the ball out of backfield. Ask Arizona. They have no problems. Uh, Donald Johnson, who will be the breakout wide receiver this year? I think it's going to be Brandon Ayuk. I think he's got to be the guy, right? Because Debo Samuel broke out last year. He's True. not going to break out again. Everyone knows what they're going to get from Debo. True. I have a guess that Debo is going to see more defensive uh, bracket covers than he's ever seen in his life. And Kyle Shanahan is going to try to do the best he can to move him all around so they can't do that. All the while, Danny Gray is going to be running as fast as he can down the field, which is going to attract some safeties. And hopefully that allows Brandon Ayuk some good mismatches where he can go out there and create those three yards of separation and make some big plays. Look, I, I'm a BA guy. I love me some BA. I drafted him high in my fantasy league last year, thinking that it was going to be an opportunity for him to, to blow up and glow up because I kind of already knew what Debo Samuel was. It wasn't a shock to me that Debo Samuel had the year he had because that was the type of player that Debo was. Uh, Brandon was one of those guys that wanted to take a chance on, and he let me down. He let me down last year. I think he can definitely bounce back in the way you're saying, but I think a lot of teams know that. And we saw very early in the season, despite the fact that BA was not being utilized in the offense the way people wanted him to because he wasn't doing the things necessary for Kyle to trust and put that trust in him and, and for Jimmy to put that trust in him and faith in him. Teams were still showing a lot of respect to Brandon Ayuk. I mean, teams were basically daring the Niners to beat them with Debo Samuel. They were bracketing Kittle. They were bracketing B.A. Every team last year believed it was going to be B.A. I don't think that myth, like that ideology is going to change because despite the year he started off having... He almost finished with a thousand. He got dangerously close to a thousand yards, and despite being a non-factor for at least half of the season, and because of that, I have a sneaking suspicion that Danny Gray is going to elevate to a level that not a lot of people are expecting, and I think he's underappreciated and underutilized in terms of uh, how people view him as a route runner of the route tree and the things he can do over the middle of the field with the ball in his hand. I think a lot of people just see top end speed, stretch the field, stretch the field, stretch the field, and I think you could end up seeing situations where Danny Gray ends up becoming. Not the solidified wide receiver three, but in times and situations where Trey needs to go somewhere, he can count and rely on Danny when 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 he has the, the matchups that you need to have. Um, so I think Danny Gray could be the breakout wide receiver. And I say that not thinking that this guy's having like 1,500. He's not going to have 2,100 yards and 14 touchdowns, like nothing crazy. But this is a guy who would end up putting up 500 receiving yards as a rookie, and people would be like, Wait, huh? Wait, what you're doing what now? Yeah, I think that would be absolutely huge for San Francisco. Yeah, I would love that. I think Danny Gray being able to put up big numbers like that's going to make it better for every single wide receiver on I that agree. team. Because last year, you know, we had the emergence of Jawan Jennings, and when Jawan Jennings emerged, Brandon Ayuk got his swag back, and Brandon Ayuk was able to get out there in mismatch situations where he could win. And adding a, another option like Danny Gray, we are right with the catch, you know, ability over the middle and the run ability afterwards could make it easier for every single one of these players, including hopefully having a health, healthy George Kittle. Because if oh, we have nice. a healthy George Kittle, he's going to add to this room as well. All the while, we haven't even mentioned Ray Ray McLeod, who's going to be able to add something different than the other guys that we've mentioned. They've done a really good job of putting together different pieces with different skill sets in their toolbox that they can use in different ways. And I love that for Kyle Shannon. That gives him a lot of uh, versatility and flexibility um, with his wide receiver room. The question is going to be, and, and in fact, it was me and John, uh, San Francisco, we're having this conversation in our uh, on Twitter, and, we were and he was talking about the wide receiver position, and I said to him, I'm not sure if the foreigners are going to keep five or six wide receivers. There are five big names, but can one of these other you know, guys squeak in there and take a sixth spot? They could. They, they very well could. Look, last year we, we said certain things about the D-line and them keeping a certain amount of guys, and we know roughly the D-line is going to be you know right in that same area that we've seen in the last few years. 
O-line could be close to the same as the last few years, but they still got a guy like Alfredo Gutierrez who's on the roster and doing things that doesn't take up a roster spot. So maybe they do some shenaniganry there. We saw them last year keep a guy like Tom Compton around so they could sneak Colton McKivitz to the practice squad and then yeah. activate him on game days. So with the way the rosters are constructed now, they may keep a few less linemen knowing that they can. there's a couple of guys they could try and sneak onto the practice squad and then elevate on game days to act active status if they need them. Um, there are things that they can do in that way. And and if you do that, if you decide to go that route, if you're the 49ers, Ant, that leaves you a little bit more room to address other needs, address other positions and add depth there. They rolled short at the linebacker room last year. I imagine them doing it again this year with the talent and the guys that they have. Uh, they, they rolled a little bit shorter at the safety position. They have a bunch of safeties right now. I don't know if a lot of those guys are sticking around all the way through. Do you think they're going to keep more than four guys? No. Uh, at safety position? Yeah. No, I don't think they're going to keep more than four guys. Okay. The question is, who are those four going to be? Yeah. Um, because I don't know for sure if they have a starter, you know, opposite of Jimmy Ward. Green. I think they think it's going to be Tarverius Moore. I think they're going to let him and Talanua Funga go out there and absolutely battle it out and see who wins. But when it comes down to it, I don't think uh, right now I feel very confident with the guy opposite of Jimmy Ward. I think if Tarverius Moore were to play last year, maybe I'd feel more comfortable with him coming in and playing that role. But uh, Jaquiski Tart outplayed him in 2020, even when both players were off and on injured. So I don't know. I think Tart's still out there and potentially at some point, you know, one of these guys can get, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo could get moved and maybe there's money to go out there and bring in Tart for competition. True. But I think if you're looking at, at overall depth of the safety position, the 49ers definitely have depth of the safety position. Yeah, depth they just don't have a clear-cut starter yeah. opposite of Jimmy Ward. No, there's just so many questions in that safety room right now, whether it's Odom, whether it's uh, Hufanga, whether it's Tarverius Moore. Um, I do agree with you. I, I, I agree 100% that if Tarverius Moore were healthy last year and we got to see him on the football field, and when Jaquissi Tart wasn't healthy, it was him that we were turning to. You're in a better spot if you were the 49ers last year, if you were turning to him rather than having to turn to Ricky Talanoa Hufanga, who had some development stuff that he was going through and, and needed, and you could have given him a little bit more time. Now, granted, Talanoa Hufanga stepped up, and he played very well in the spots that he was asked to play. Yes, he made mistakes. He's a rookie. He's going to make them. But now we get to see what Tarverius Moore is, what he can be, and if he can be the thing the Niners believe him to be, on the cheap contract that he's making, you have a very cheap option there starting opposite of Jimmy Ward, but he's going to have to go earn it. He's going to have to go prove it. Um, and, and if they, if him and Talano Hufanga and even George Odom, if none of those guys show San Francisco something early in that training camp process, you could see them go making a move and bringing back a trick whiskey tart uh, and bringing him back in, especially if they've moved on from Jimmy Garoppolo at that point in time. Uh, but again, I don't think if the Niners, I don't think even the Niners moving Jimmy Garoppolo at this point necessitates them or gives them the, the ability to just go, hey, we're going to go bring this guy in. I think they're going to be very careful with that money. They're going to try and use it strategically to extend some contracts and do things like that and also sit on some of it because you can make a move in the middle of the season if a team starts struggling and a guy becomes disgruntled and wants out and you can improve your roster that way, you can make that move as well. Yeah, you could. I mean, but I mean, keeping about five to seven million dollars is normally what you keep for True. operating costs during the season. True. Yeah, so I don't know how much they would ultimately sit on. And we had, I think it was Ronnie Montoya that asked earlier about the 40 yards offensive line, you know, and the big question there is still Alex Mack. We've got June 1st coming up tomorrow. True. Alex Mack could potentially retire. D Ford, you know, could potentially be cut with the June one designation. Uh, we don't know for sure. The fact that 40 yards haven't put anything out there on either one of them and we're at June 1st makes me think that this thing's going to ride out a little bit. And that's part of the money that we're going to have there. If Alex Mack retired, $5.5 million goes back to the 49ers. True. D Ford retires another million dollars. So there's a lot of money out there. I would, I think the 49ers would need to use some of that money because you don't want to have just all that money sitting on the books, not being used, but you're right. They do have to sign Nick, you know, Nick Bosa. Eventually they have to re-sign D Ford. Um, sorry, Debo Samuel. Yep. Um, so they have to bring guys in. 
I just wonder, and Ronnie Montoya talking about the offensive line, he was talking about what if Alex Mack, you know, not counting Alex Mack, what would the starting offensive line look if Mack isn't there? Do you have an idea, Alex, of what you would do on this offensive line with no, no Alex Mack? Absolutely <laughs> not. Other than signing in a world where I could sign J.C. Treader, it's J.C. Treader, and then we we roll from there. Uh, ID, I mean, right now, I, I give I give the edge to Banks. I give the edge to Brunskill. Obviously, McGlinchey. Obviously, Trent Williams. I mean, that's that's where it sits right now for me. And if you can sign J.C. Treader, then it's J.C. Treader. If there's no signings, there's no additional person you want to bring in, then it becomes very simple for me. Uh, Nick Zakelch and Daniel Brunskill are competing for your starting center job, and that leaves you with Aaron Banks potentially uh, potentially rolling with the, the new gentleman you drafted in Burford, competing at the guard spots, uh, along with potentially Jalen Moore if you need to move him in there. Skewell, maybe he's getting thrown into that mix as well. Uh, McKivitz also competing in that guard spots, and then obviously your tackles are set. Uh, but I, I'm not sure. I, I, Eric Danger said, I've heard Brendel at center potentially. I don't know how much better Jake Brendel is going to be than a guy what, what they believe Nick Zakelch could be, and they may want to roll, run that risk or roll that dice with him there. Also, we've seen Daniel Brunskill play the position in this system at a, at a decent level. I'm, I'm not going to put it at a high level. He didn't do it for very long, right. and so he can do it. We know he can do it. I think the Niners would prefer not to have to go that route, but if you can't bring somebody else in, I don't know what other options you have. Yeah, I think that the, this it's getting pretty clear. Now, one thing that we we read back in March is that Jalen Moore is going to be competing for the right guard spot. Yep. Uh, Matt Miyoko went on to 49ers Talk and said that Jalen Moore has continued his you know move inside to guard. So that means Jalen Moore is going to be competing with Daniel Brunskill potentially for the starting right guard spot. Now, you throw in Spencer Burford as well because Burford has uh, also been taking reps at right guard as well. So you go ahead and you put those three in an absolute battle. Now, if Alex Mack is out of the picture, I think it's real clear about who your starter is going to be at center. It's either Jake Brendel or it's Daniel Brunskill. I don't think it could be anyone else. Uh, I, I would love to have J.C. Treader. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I'm just saying from the current roster that we have right now, I think it would be one of those two guys. I think Brendel would be the leader in the clubhouse. And then at some point, I do believe Zakel takes that spot from him. Would that be in training camp? Would that be during the season? I think as Zakel continues to develop, you could slide him into that role and feel comfortable with it. I think uh, Aaron Banks has an absolute stranglehold on the left guard spot now, just from everything that we've heard from Chris Forrester talking about. He's bullish about uh, Banks playing left guard. Kyle Shannon and Forrester saying how good Banks was at the end of the year. I think that just kind of shows that potentially he's going to be the left guard. Uh, so I think it comes down to that. And if I had to guess, uh, I won't be shocked if it comes down to Brunskill versus Jalen Moore at the right guard spot, Brendel and Zakel at center, if Alex Mack decides to retire. Could be. It could very well be the case, but that is, it's a big question mark. And hopefully tomorrow, Ant is full of answers to said questions, so there's less to worry about. That would be nice. And more just celebrating. Highly doubtful. <laughs> what? You mean <laughs> to tell me the Niners don't play by the same rules as everybody else? Uh, probably not. Since when? They always tell, no, they don't. They don't tell us anything. They don't tell us nothing. Nothing, yeah. ever. They never say a word. Uh, the O-line, though, is an interesting one, Ant, because I think it's the, personally believe it's still the biggest question mark, just because there is the possibility of Alex Mack not coming back. Now, I am not one of those people that's in the Alex Mack is retiring camp. I know there's a lot of people who are worried and maybe even starting to lean that way more and more every day as they don't hear from him. Uh, I'm not in that boat. Uh, I'm in I'm in the boat of this man plans on playing. He signed the deal that he signed for a reason. There was there was a time frame. The, the second to last year, the contract is not the year that I'm sitting there thinking Alex Mack is not sure he wants to play out. It's that last year, the contract. Now, life changes, right? Things happen. You get married. You go through that whole thing and you're sitting there going, you know what? 
married life or something it's kind of nice maybe i don't want to have to go out and work every day i just want to stay at home with the wife do stuff hang out with, you know start a family all that fun stuff i get it i get what the concerns are tcc i'm just not ready to jump on that boat in that ship with you yet i still think alex mack loves the game of football i think he's been doing things i think he's been getting ready i think he's been preparing we've seen workout videos he has definitely put himself on the fence in terms of am i playing am i not playing and because he's on the fence it makes me think that the closer you get to training camp, the closer you get to that competitive itch coming back. And as soon as you get to a point where it's like, it's just too much scratching, it's not enough. I need to go fulfill said thing. He's going to step back onto the field and be fine. Another thing that might help him want to come back is the fact he doesn't want to pay the 49ers $2.5 million. Yeah, uh, I forgot about that. Because <laughs> that can happen. You know, that signing bonus, uh, you got paid already. You're going to have to give some of that back. So that's something that they would have to work out. Now, he could do that and just walk away. But I'm, I don't know. I'm not ready to just go ahead and say that he's going to step away right now. I'm going to give him his time, and hopefully he does come back. I'm hoping that, you're, like you said, he wants to come back one more year and give it a run in the Super Bowl and see what they could do. They put together a great football team, and I'm sure he feels pretty comfortable with Aaron Banks next to him, maybe even Jalen Moore. But we know he feels comfortable with Daniel Brunskill. Um, so this line is pretty good. You're just, in, you're just taking out Lakin Tomlinson, and you're putting in you know, a, a nice rookie and or not rookie, a second year guy in Aaron Banks. True. Um, and if he's at the level at which they said, which they thought he could have helped the team last year, but they didn't want to mess up chemistry and continuity, then you've got to feel pretty comfortable with Banks being, you know, the guy that's ready to go. And in fact, Chris Forrester went out and said he's so impressed with the 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 training room for the 49ers and the conditioning room because they were able to get Aaron Banks still at 330 pounds in potentially the best shape of his life where he's able to go do all the things they want him to do, but still keep that size and strength. He does look absolutely chiseled. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited about Aaron Banks. Uh, look, Aaron Banks, we said this last year, right? The the rumors and the reports and him being a scratch for most of the year to being on the active roster by the time you get to playoffs was a sign that he was trending in the right direction. The question now was, is how much of the right direction? Well, the Niners, it was so much the right direction that the Niners did not want to pay Lincoln Tomlinson $13 million a year yeah. to bring him back in which means they were ready to roll that dice and take the chance. All signs pointed to maybe Aaron Banks being the answer at left guard, and it's looking like it's playing out exactly that way. And I'll tell you what, if you're the 49ers, you could take a guy in the second round the year before. The year before, he's ready to play, knowing that you have a year to get him ready so he can be your starting left guard. If it pays off, then not only were you right, you did it right. You gave yourself your best offensive line and best potential the, the year prior, and now you got the guy going forward in the future that isn't going to be taking a whole up a whole heck of a lot of cap space right now that you can roll with and make sure that you can do the same things you were doing before said guy took over. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and I think that's that's what you're trying to do. You're completely trying to reload your roster. Uh, so you're developing players. You're you're drafting them and developing them for the year at which you have to replace one of your veteran players who you know you can't afford to keep. You know, and you have value, you positional value on certain players, and you're seeing the 49ers move on from running backs and, you know, other players that potentially they don't have the same positional value, and one of those is guard. And Daniel Brunskill, for the first time, is a guy that's going to make a lot of money. He hasn't made a lot of money sure. in his career. Sure. And so he's going to get to the point where potentially he's going to be priced out. And you know what? They already have his replacement ready. Could it be Jalen Moore? Could it be Spencer Burford? Uh, don't know for sure, but we do know there's going to be an absolute battle. You know, and I saw someone say, you know, we want uh, potentially keep Jalen Moore. Sorry, I didn't catch the name. Jalen Moore out at tackle. Um, so that way Jalen Moore could take over for Mike McGlinchey. And I'll just say this. Oh, it's Eric Dane. Thank you. Um, I think 
when it comes down to it, though, Jalen Moore playing right guard doesn't stop him from playing right tackle next year. Correct. Playing on the right side, there's a lot of you know uh, comfortability there. Being able to go from right guard to right tackle, you're doing the same things. You have the same hand in the ground. You're doing a similar kick slide. The only difference is when you're on the outside, you have a lot more distance between you and a defender than you do on the interior. So it's a little bit different there. Um, but I do like that potential. And they do have Burford, who's able to play right tackle or right guard, too. And Tommy said in chat the other day, Alex, I, I don't know how you feel about this, that Burford is a lock to start. How do you feel about that? He's not a lock to start, Tommy. I, I love me some Spencer <laughs> Burford. I love me some Spencer Burford. He is not a lock to start, though. Not not a lock to start. Uh, is he, I think, uh, I th do I think he was a steal at the spot that they got him and what he could turn into? Absolutely. I love Spencer Burford where they took him. I think this is a, a huge a huge positive for the 49ers. The thing is, is I don't think they're viewing and looking at him right now as a potential solution. I think they're looking at him right now and filling into or starting to compete or push for said swing roles, utility role, a guy who could play in a variety of different spots who they can, you know, allow them the opportunity to, if he improves and develops, to take a spot of a Justin School, to take the spot of a Colton McKivitz, and he be the option going forward as he continues to develop so that he can potentially be the answer in the future, something they were hoping to see out of Justin Skule, something they were hoping to see out of Colton McKivitz that hasn't necessarily panned out the way the Niners kind of hoped or foresaw that it might go. Yeah, you're right. You know, and Tommy says, how dare you, Alex? Son of a Just how dare you? Son of a gun. I'm yeah. so sorry. Um, yeah, I, I think that when it comes down to it, they're doing a good job on the offensive line and getting versatile players, you know, and then they're just going to kind of maneuver these guys around into the best positions uh, that Chris Forster thinks are going to work for them. And I think they've got a guy's, with a lot of attitude, they're going to be able to move people off their spots in the run game and that are developmental pass protectors. You know, I mean, that just seems to be the way. The one thing I'll say is I believe Nick Zakel and Spencer Burford are a little bit better in the pass, prote uh, pass protection area uh, than Aaron Banks and Jalen Moore were yeah. initially coming in. Now, yeah. I do like Moore's uh, pass um, sets and the way that he's able to block. His hand's pretty good. Um, so I think that's an area. But he struggled in the run area where the other two don't. Uh, so it, they've got some really good, talented players that they're trying to develop. And if they develop them all, this offensive line is going to look really good for years to come. And you're right. Uh, Justin Skule and Colton McKivitz could be on the outside looking in if they don't develop and develop really quick. Uh, not the pasta man, though. Not, no. Not the pasta man. No. He doesn't take up a roster spot. He's safe for a little while. He's safe for a little while. Uh, Ronnie Montoya, who is the gunner on special teams? That's a solid question. Uh, yeah, the Gunner's going to be somebody really fast. Uh, so, you know, I mean, you're going to put somebody out there. I think Gunners will be like, Dan uh, I'm sorry, uh, Ombre Thomas, I think could be a Gunner yeah. for, the, for the 49ers. Could be. Um, depending on who makes that roster on the outside, uh, Samuel Womack, uh, those guys in the cornerback position could Womack do it. Could, yeah. um, so if Tarverius Moore isn't starting, he could be that guy as well. I think those are kind of some of the frontline guys. And then depending on what running backs make it, it's usually a running back, wide receiver, a corner. Those are the guys that I think are probably top on the list. I would agree with you there. I think the, the best two options just be the amount of depth that we have the cornerback position. It may end up being cornerback that end up being your gunners. It could be a, a wide receiver. The only problem is, is I look at Danny Gray. I look at guys like Raymond McLeod and I go, how physical are you though? Like how, how great are you yeah. in space tackling people? I, you have the top end speed. You'd be great there. If you can, you also translate that other aspect to it. I don't know if that's the case. So questions there. Cornerback definitely feels like the better route. We know Aubrey Thomas, extremely willing tackler. And we've seen Samuel Wilmot come up in space. Willing tackler on film. Now there's a transit to the NFL. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, Donald Johnson asked, how much impact do you think Drake Jackson will have? I think Drake Jackson's going to have limited impact this year, only for the reason that I believe he's going to be a situational pass rusher. I just don't think the Fortners are going to use him as a three down, 
you know, defensive end early on in his career. I think that's something he's going to have to develop. And a lot of that has to do with what size and strength is he going to have. As a guy that played at USC at linebacker True. for part of it and getting all the way down into the 230s, I think that he's got some things that he's going to have to work on and develop there, not to mention the position is absolutely locked and loaded. Uh, so I think there will be times when he comes in. Sometimes he'll line up on the outside, and Ebucom will slide inside. And I think that sometimes he'll line up over a guard, which could give him the best opportunity to be able to get to the quarterback. So do I think at times he'll be in the Arden key role and be able to make plays? Yeah, I do. And I am very optimistic about what he could eventually develop into. Agreed. It's one of the ones. It's one of the only guys right now that the Niners drafted this year, Anthony. I have questions about just in terms of how they plan to utilize him. And it's not because he's not talented. It's the opposite. He's extremely talented. It's the fact that you have so much talent in that room that how could you possibly have a plan in place or know how you want to utilize him right now? Because you have so many pieces that could still translate and turn into something special. It's it's hard. It's hard to fathom what, how, why. It's it's just hard. It's difficult to, to wrap my head around. But that's an exciting prospect, Ant, because that means so many possibilities, so many room for activities, all of the activities. Yeah, you got to have all the room for activities, and the 49ers are going to have some activities going on all throughout uh, the OTAs and then minicamp, because minicamp is only a couple weeks away. Uh, it's just around the corner, and Megan, that is a bold face lie. You've never called me Alejandro one time in my life. Shame on you. Absolute shame. Bomber T, do you think Debo will be at mandatory camp? I think he has 88,000 reasons to show up. Well, uh, do you mean to tell me if he doesn't show up, he'll get fined? Yeah, he'll get fined 88. Is it because it's mandatory? That's right. The mandatory <laughs> word is important, right, Alex? Uh, yeah, 88,000 reasons why he should show up to camp. And I think that would be the first time that if he didn't, uh, it wouldn't be goodwill to the 49ers. And then we'll see what happens with negotiations. But um, I would like to think he's going to show up in some capacity, work out. You know, I think that's also when we'll see Nick Bosa and some of the other guys. True. Maybe then we'll get a first look at Alex Mack and D Ford as well. Uh, maybe they take a look at D Ford. Maybe they see what he can do. And if Alex Mack shows up, oh, oh everything's answered. And then we're, we're feeling good about it, right? Possible. Uh, I think that would be the first time that we get any sort of inclination of where Alex Mack is, by the way. I think that's the first day. The first day. If 49ers fans are it's that first day of mandatory camp. Uh, bummer. I, I'm, I'm going to say that Debo will be there un, unless, unless Debo just doesn't care about money or getting paid money this year. I, he's he's going to be at mandatory camp. He doesn't really have a reason not to show up. People, oh, yes, he does. He doesn't have a contract. Yeah, well, you know, he's got a contract this year that doesn't pay him a lot of money. And the more practices and things he starts missing, the less money he's going to make. Well, I mean, he's going to make over $4 million. I <laughs> mean, so uh, you could miss minicamp if you want, Debo. Uh, you start missing training camp days, you're going to miss $40,000 every single day you miss. Uh, yeah, that could add up really quick. So if you take the 88K you miss from minicamp, you start missing training camp days. Pretty soon, that's going to be a hefty sum. And it's not like the old days where the NFL teams used to forgive them for missing and give the money them. back. Not anymore. The collective bargaining agreement, the way it is now, you don't get that money back. They, they, the team has to uh, keep finding you. So uh, it, it's it's a tough one, but maybe maybe Debo's not going to get that money. Uh, maybe not, Ant. Uh, maybe not. not. Uh, Lino wants Alex Mack to hurry up and make up his mind already. I feel you there, Lino. Yeah. Uh, Garish, what do you guys think of Donovan West as guard? He has a wide, strong body type. Looks like a guard to me. The problem is, is that his technique isn't that clean. That's why he went undrafted. Um, I think of all the guys that I just brought in, I love the potential of Donovan West because I saw a lot of positive things on film from him, but he's not ready. He's not a guy who's making this roster this year. No, and he's got a lot of athleticism. Like, he's one of those guys that can get to the second mm -hmm. level. He's able to do things. Uh, he just plays high. I mean, that's something that he does. And I think they're going to continue to develop him as a center because it's a lot easier to transition from center to guard than it is from guard to center. 
So I think that they'll just keep working him there. And if they feel that they need him at guard, they'll transition him there. But right now, it seems like the guard position is absolutely loaded with the guys they've brought in. And that Donovan West wouldn't even be able to sniff it there. His best opportunity to make this team could be at center, where he's able to com compete with Brendel, compete with Zakel. Uh, those seem to be the best opportunities for Donovan West. So I don't expect him to move to guard, but he does has that, have that potential to move to guard. Uh, he does. He does have the potential. He's got to develop it, though, just like he's got to develop a lot of a lot of things of his game. Ernest asked, do you think if D'Amico Ryans was the t was on the 2019 run as the D coordinator of Salah, we would have won a Super Bowl? No, because that defense was not designed or built to play the type of defense that that we've seen from D'Amico Ryans, especially with the secondary. Uh, Richard Sherman, you are not sticking Richard Sherman in man coverage on anybody and expecting positive things to happen. No, in that Super Bowl, he would have got absolutely smoked if they put him in man coverage against Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill. They would have lit him up. That's not what the 49ers were built to do during that season, but that season was the shift in what the 49ers tried to do after that personnel-wise, You know, making sure they went with Emmanuel Mosley that could cover man-to-man, -man, and then also Jason Verrett. And now you see that continued with the guys that they draft. These guys aren't cover three only fits, but these guys can do it all. And that's going to give them a lot more versatility. It was an idea Kyle Shanahan had struggled going against those cover three defenses in the past. So he wanted a defense that was going to do those things. And then he figured out that other teams were doing things that were able to, you know, disrupt that and just and go and beat up that cover three. Yep. And he had to go away from it. And I think now what they've got is a more hybrid style defense where D'Amico Ryans can pull all kinds of triggers and strings and he does a really good job at it. So it's different. I think Sala did a great job in 2019. I think D'Amico Ryans did a, a good job in 2021. And I don't think they really have to, you know, interact with each other. There's two different types of teams built in different ways. Uh, very true. Uh, Tommy's nickname is the Lambs Killer per Tommy Huxley. I don't know if you gave yourself that nickname, Tommy, or if someone else did. I think he said Luke Luna calls me that. Oh, I like yeah. that. So well, he's getting it from Luke. Absolutely solid. Luke Luna, my guy. That's that's good. A bomber T ant with a hot take of hot takes. He doesn't think the Niners are going to pay Debo. In fact, he thinks they're going to see who is more productive between him and Ayuk with Trey playing. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, they could potentially do that. They just run the risk of not being able to use Debo Samuel the way that they use him because Brandon Ayuk can't do the things that Debo Samuel can do with the versatility-wise. We've seen Brandon Ayuk, them try to use him in screens, in reverses, and those sort of things uh, with you know up-and-down production from it. Sometimes he does it well, like Eagles in 2020, where he's able to leap over someone and score a touchdown, and sometimes he gets stopped on the right side, and they go to the left the next play with Debo Samuel, and he house calls it. There is a different level between the two of them running those types of plays. Accurate. And I think they found a role for Brendan Ayuk, but I don't think that these two guys, like you have one, so you can't have the other. I think they're going to try to work that out. But I do think they have a tremendous value on Debo Samuel and that attitude he provides to the football team. Agreed. It's about balance now. It's about finding that yep. balance and how you want to use him and not, doing, not going over the top with it. Uh, kind of like you did last year, but last year it wasn't because the team was garbage, it's because he had injuries aplenty at the running back room, and uh, Debo found his stride. I mean, when, when, when a guy's that hot, you don't not ride the hot hand. You ride the hot hand as, as much as you possibly can. Uh, as uh, Phil Jackson used to say about Shaq, and we're going we're gonna to ride him to the wheels fall off, and I don't blame you when you have a guy that's that dominant doing the types of things that Debo was doing this past season. Nobody else in the league could replicate it, and no one knew how to contain it. Teams are going to be more prepared for it this year, and you find that balance now going forward. Uh, Stovey said, Do you guys, did you guys discuss Lance's new motion already? Thoughts? We did. A lot earlier in the show. Uh, but 
I mean, I guess snippets, right? The spark note edition of this uh, three quarter motion that you talked about, Ant, it's gonna allow him to get the ball out quicker, which hopefully should translate into better percentages, completions and things of that nature. It's not a completely new throwing motion. It's a tweaked throwing motion. Yeah, and I do believe it's the process of changing his throw motion overall. You do it in steps. It's going to take multiple off seasons for him to be able to get the motion exactly what, how they want. Thousands and thousands of reps these guys have to work on these things thousands. to be able to make these changes. It's not easy, but these guys are professionals are going to be working on it a lot, and the motion has changed a little bit and enough that he's going to be able to hopefully have a quicker release, which potentially is going to allow him to get the ball out quicker so he doesn't have to throw with such velocity. And hopefully it gets a little bit more accurate as well. And if that happens, uh, then I think Trey Lance is going to be a, a big-time quarterback for the 49ers. And I look forward to when ultimately he gets it entirely changed because when that happens and potentially he'll be maybe on the Josh Allen type, you know, ascension as a guy who developed his accuracy through a couple. Actually, it was like three seasons, I believe. It was. It was three seasons, but there was a dramatic shift from year one to year two. And that's what we're hoping to see this year. I sure hope so. Dramatic shifts. <laughs> You do that, help us out with that. That would be great. Uh, yeah, but that that's the Spark Notes version of that, Stoby. We talked about it earlier, so if you want the full breakdown, just go a little bit back to the video earlier on when we were talking about it. Uh, I'm seeing here from Donald Johnson for Tommy Ant. It's Tommy Boy, actually, because oh. Tommy want wingy. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't <laughs> hurt here so much, or right here, but right, right here. here. It's all about <laughs> right there, Ant. Yeah. Did you guys discuss Lance's hand injury and how he might look better this year now that he's recovered? Eric, we did. Yeah, we did. And and that's that's completely accurate. He might look better because when you're especially I believe it was the index finger, right? Yes, it was. Uh, when you're using that on the football, like it has a big you know position on your throwing hand that you're able to kind of put pressure and not. And when you don't have and you have to keep a finger off, it can definitely change the way the ball comes out of your hand. I do believe some of the wobble still is about him, you know, squeezing the ball too tight. And I, somebody came through and said, you know, that Eric Crocker saying the same sort of thing, which doesn't surprise me. Um, so, yeah, you, when you're doing that, you got to definitely have these different fingers on the football. And when you don't, you have to change the way you hold the ball. It can affect the accuracy at which it comes out. And I was a little surprised that he was still hurt. Well, it depends, too, on how he grips that football. I've never actually tried to look in depth at how he grips the football and how he throws. I haven't either. There's some guys who grip, right, a little bit more back, and maybe there's more pressure on these middle two fingers here, your ring and your middle finger, less so much your index and your pointer finger. However, there are guys who grip that ball a little bit more forward or neutral in which that pointer finger is on said football. Or if you're a weirdo like Brett Favre, the pointer finger's at the back on the tip, and you're throwing the ball like a dumb, dumb face and still slinging it like a crazy person. I don't know how Trey grips it. That could definitely play a part in it as well. And if he was having issues with that index finger and how he was gripping, maybe he had to change up his grip to make it feel comfortable to throw the football. And if that's the case, that could 100% play a reason in why he wasn't throwing the ball as well as maybe some people would have liked to have seen it of him last year. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it was. And Ronnie Montoya says, do you think the running game takes a step back without Mike McDaniel? No, there's just no, 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 no way. I Listen, I, I would actually be more concerned about the running back room not, uh, oh man, why, well, not having Turner, not having Coach Turner back there with him. I'd actually be more concerned about the running back room, but the addition of Anthony Lynn puts you in a very unique spot if you're the 49ers, a guy who has had a lot of success, not only coaching running backs, but helping develop running back, like running games and just his running games throughout the league the entirety of the time that he's been a head coach or an offensive coordinator in this league have been some of the best running back, running games in, in all of football. You compile that with Kyle Shanahan, you compile that with Coach Forrester and what they're putting together, and you have a lot of guys who have learned off of McDaniels, taken his stuff, taken stuff from Kyle, and now you're adding Anthony Lynn into the stew of the 49ers running game as it already is constituted. I think you have the chance to 
come out with something that is not necessarily entirely different, but unique, unique to this team. And that could be a very positive thing for the 49ers this season. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things Kyle Shanahan kind of let out of the bag was when he was talking about, you know, the choice of Coach Forrester to be that run game coordinator. Well, he talked about Forrester had worked so much with Mike McDaniel last year. So he's going to have an understanding of what Mike McDaniel was looking at and putting together these run games. The other thing Kyle Shanahan said, though, is he's got to remember that when he's working with these coaches, he automatically knew what Mike McDaniel was going to do. And Mike McDaniel knew what Kyle Shanahan wanted. So they're going through those times right now where maybe coaches are putting stuff together and my, and Kyle's like, wait, that's I don't like it like this or I don't like that. So they're learning right now. I think there's going to be subtle differences between what Forrester does and what Mike McDaniel did because when it comes down to it, every coach sees the game a little bit different or has things that they favor. So I'm excited to see what happens. I think Anthony Lynn will have some sort of influence in that as well. And we know Kyle Shannon is so collaborative that I expect this to be a, a nice working relationship. It could start out slow depending on how much influence Kyle Shannon has in that room. But eventually it's going to get going. The only good thing is the 49ers got some really good young running backs that should be able to help carry the load. And if they get the offensive line figured out and they get this run game established, I think the offensive line and the run game will go really well. Um, so I think early on, potentially, they could miss Mike McDaniel in a few areas as far as smoothness, uh, cleanness in, in the game plans and what they're able to do. But if Kyle Shannon is able to interject his knowledge and, and what he wants early on, I think Forster's a really smart guy. He's been off as a quarter. He can figure this thing out. Uh, agreed with you on that. And if he was working closely with McDaniels, you'd be able to take the best parts that you've learned from McDaniels and the things that he did, apply it to this team with a new running back back there in TDP, uh, the the year two development of Elijah Mitchell, uh, a, a line that you're working with and that you feel very comfortable with because you're willing to take the chance and the risk on going with Aaron Banks and not bringing back Lincoln Tomlinson. So you have a lot of positive things going in the direction of things going well for the Niners and being in a positive spot. I saw Donald Johnson said, how many passing yards do you think Debo will have this year? I think he meant receiving yards, but just for you, Gabriel Clark said, passing yards, maybe 45. <laughs> said maybe 45. I think this is a year where you could see Debo's number drop significantly. But I still think this is a guy who has easily has the ability to get a 1,000 yards because there are a lot of weapons on the offense, and if the run game continues to elevate the way it does, you have George Kittle being able to stay healthy for most of the year. You have the continual ascension of Brandon Ayuk. Guys like Danny Gray being thrown into this as well. There are too many weapons that not every game can teams focus on stopping Debo Samuel or being him being the focal point, you may have to divert your attention away. And the games where that happens, if you're the 49ers and you're Debo Samuel, you can take advantage. I think there's enough games in the season, especially now with there being 17 of them, that Debo can easily get 1,000 yards. And I think that number is a number that, that should be the expectation. Don't expect the 1,500-yard season. Don't expect 1,000 yards in seven games. If he's having a 1,000-yard season and we can get two, two to three guys in that 1,000-yard range, then the 49ers offense is going to be ticking at an all-time level. Yeah, I think he can get, you know, a thousand yards. I think that's within reach. I don't expect him to have a Cooper Cup, you know, kind of season. I think the Fourniers have too many weapons all around. You know, I mean, part of the reason Coop had, Coop had the amount of numbers that he had was some of the injuries that were around him to True. Robert Woods and others. Um, so I think that, you know, potentially Debo Samuel could do that. And I saw Donald Johnson also talking about uh, Debo won't do what he did last year because of, you know, his body can't take it. Um, he will do the same things he did last year, just he won't carry the ball as much. True. Um, but he'll be put in those similar situations, except now he's a decoy for early on in the season. And then when they need to win a football game, he's absolutely going to be called upon to go win that football game. Yep. He will be a finisher. So he will run the ball. He will catch those screens. He's going to do all those things that Kyle Shannon wants him to do, but they will be in a more limited role. But I expect early on, it's kind of like when 2020, when Kyle Shanahan would run, run the fake reverses because he had ran so many reverses in 2019, he knew it would influence the defense's eyes. Just moving Debo Samuel around the, 
the backfield now is going to influence defense's eyes. It's going to get linebackers wanting to come up into the box and creep up in between those defensive linemen, thinking that they can cut off a run from Debo Samuel because he's absolutely explosive. And I think those are going to give opportunities for other players on the outside. So I think early Debo's a, a decoy, and then potentially later on in the season, he takes back his normal role and gets it done. I agree with you. I think that lends him to being in that 1,100-yard range. I don't think that's a bad range. I don't think it's undoable. But if you're talking about all-purpose yards, I mean, he could easily put together a 1,300-yard season in the all-purpose category because he could end up with a couple hundred yards rushing if if you give him the ball a butt ton. Um, but there's also the potential of you them utilizing him in the return game in spurts and situations, much like we saw this last season, maybe towards the end of the year. Um, but if the Niners get out to a hot start, then you don't have to lean on Debo so much. If you get out to a hot start and win some games early and get yourself out to a you know a six and two record, you get yourselves out into that seven and three range. You know, start off the year five and zero, oh, then you're playing from ahead. And if you're playing from ahead, that allows you to try different things and keep your best player fresh. Yeah, I think that they did go out and get certain players right to help Debo Samuel. They went and got TDP to be able to take on those fourth and one carries that Debo was taking on early on in the year. I mean, later in the year. Yep. I think they went out and got Ray Ray McLeod to make sure he could handle you know the return game in case Debo wasn't healthy. They also are going to keep Brandon Ayuk off on punts now. They did a really good job of going out and getting players that could potentially help Debo Samuel limit the amount of carries. I think also if Elijah Mitchell can stay healthy, yep. that's going to help as well. Uh, but there's still nothing like Debo Samuel exploding out of his spot as when he plays running back to the line of scrimmage. I would argue that he's one of the top five guys in doing that. He's better than Elijah Mitchell. He's on that Raheem Moser type level of getting after it. So I think at times he's going to be tasked with doing that. And when he does, it's going to be absolutely dynamic. But you just got to use him in a variety of different ways. But I like all the different skill sets of these offensive players. And the fact that they've added to the tight end room, Alex, uh, means the 49ers are, are potentially getting a lot of depth at every single skill position on the team. Uh, agreed. They're getting tons of depth at, at every skill position everywhere. And I absolutely love to see it. I see Brad saying two out of three. Kittle, Debo, IU get over 1,000 yards with the other in the low 900s or high 800s with Jennings getting over 500, two running backs getting over 500. I love that. I, I'm going to temper my boldness and, and just say that two guys, two guys will get over a thousand. I think another guy will be in that seven to 900 range somewhere in there, just because that's what we've seen consistently out of this 49ers team. And with those receiving rooms, if I had to put money on the two guys, uh, I would say this year, it's probably Debo and Kittle that are in that thousand yard range with Ayuk being close. What I think you could see out of BA is something, something more along the lines of a, a, an uptick in receptions in crucial situations, third down receptions, uh, goal line red zone touchdowns things of that nature where they go to him to beat guys one-on-one -on -one and put him in scheme situations where he has the mismatch and that could bode well in his favor um i, I think ideally ideally for me the 3900 yard for trey lance would be wonderful and phenomenal i'm not expecting more than about 3500 yards out of the kid i think you're going to be able to rely on your run game and that's going to put him in situations where he doesn't have to have huge passing numbers huge passing yards what i will think you will see out of out of him is him putting up numbers similar to Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of yards per game on much less throws because he can take the top off the defense and that leads to bigger plays. Yeah, I think it's very important for the 49ers offense to develop a run game early. That's going to take a lot of pressure off Trey Lance when he's able to get mm -hmm. third and twos and third and threes instead of third and eight and nines. If he gets into the third and eight and nine situations, he's going to struggle the same way as Jimmy Garoppolo and every other great quarterback that's in this league, including Aaron Rodgers. True. Um, these guys struggle True. in those situations, so they have to put him ahead of the sticks, 
where he's able to convert first downs. And I think as the season goes on, he'll get more and more confident with his role. But they did a really good job of adding players around him, skilled players that fit his skill set. You know, you need a guy that can take the top off the defense. They went and got him. They need guys who can run the football behind him that can take some of the pressure off other guys. They did it. They need to make sure they kept their big-time weapons and Ayuk, you know, Kittle and Debo Samuel. They're doing that. Um, so I think they're doing a good job of helping Trey Lance and putting the best possible group around him to help his success along the way. I just look forward to seeing what he can do, but um, I'm not going to have any sort of expectations on on what he does, how quickly he's to start or anything. And I'm hoping that he goes out there and just gets a lot done early on, and that makes it easy for him during the year. And I look for Kyle Shannon to find some rhythm throws for him early on in games, get him outside the pocket, let him have a couple wide open throws. And I think once he kind of settles in, uh, he'll be able to make some big plays. Agreed with you there and TCC. Make sure you like the video if you haven't already and subscribe if you have not because you're not going to want to miss all the episodes we got coming this week. You're not going to want to miss Thursday's Q&A live stream in which we talk about more 49ers news, what's going on with this team, and take all of your questions. You're not going to want to miss that. And if they don't want to miss Cutback Colony tomorrow, yeah. which what are you talking about? Yeah, Cutback Colony is going to be fun because I'm going to be talking about some of the things that have been happening with OTAs uh, and then just getting into, you know, looking ahead at what's coming up next. I think that's what's important because we got mini camps coming up around True. the horizon. Mandatory mini camp is coming up, and I'm going to get into that. And, of course, just like always, uh, with Cutback Colony, come in with all your questions, and we'll have a nice conversation. I'm excited about it. That's going to be a lot of fun. And we got so many things to talk about, so many things coming up here down the pike, and still so many questions that need to get answered from who starting at the O-line. Is Alex Mack coming back? What is the deal with Trey? Is he the guy? Where is Jimmy going? Is he going anywhere? Are the rumors and reports true? Is it going to be Jimmy Garoppolo? Or are we finally going to be able to move off of this saga and focus on the future? It's going to be exciting. Yeah, it is. And Jag says, is tomorrow the deadline for Mac to declare for his retirement? No. Um, there's no deadline for Mac or for D Ford to be you know released or anything like that. Just after June 1st is the first time that that designation can officially you know, be in line. So uh, now they can cut guys with the June one designation and, and save a lot of money. So if they're going to do it, June one's a big date. Um, we'll see what happens though. And if the 49ers ultimately do that, I'm, I'll be surprised. I think if, if Alex Mack retires exactly on June 1st, I think this thing plays out a little bit longer. I would agree with you. It's going to play out longer. Just like Jimmy's situation has played out longer. Just like Debo's situation has played out longer. Just like a lot of things have played out longer. It's been a lot of fun though. And good to be back. Good to see a TCC. And yes, Ronnie, shout out to Ant for holding down the fort. Wasn't the Alamo, folks. Who were, we're still here. We're still standing. Yeah, thanks, Ronnie, so much. I had a really uh, good time the last couple of weeks, and everyone that came through chat and had conversations, I, I really appreciated it. It was a good time. I was excited about it. We had a, we had a lot of fun with everybody that came through, and I'm I'm excited about having Alex back and us being able to do our thing. It's going to be a, a fun week and fun offseason. We're, we're pushing towards training camp. And we're getting close. Training camp is here, and it's just around the corner. It's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you're here for Cutback Colony tomorrow. Make sure you're here for the live Q&A the day after. And make sure you head over to Patreon so you can catch this gentleman right here and Horse for Slightly Offsides, which if you haven't been watching it and you have not been paying attention, uh, you're missing out on some quality content. So head on over to our Patreon as well and check that out because... Uh, and to, in a shocking turn of events, uh, horse does like to go offsides. Yeah, ho horse goes offsides, but only slightly offsides. Uh, we, we can't let him fully, go fully offsides, but it's a lot of fun if you like. It's a, a different take you know, on what we talk about because horse has his own opinions. Um, most of the time, me and horse don't agree, uh, which is a shocking development, but I, I do enjoy you know, what horse does. Uh, very, very true. Ernest, if Poe makes the team, last question here. If, if Poe makes the team, do you think they're going to – Make him learn the fullback plays just in case something happens to Juice. 
Well, I, I think that that would be a great idea. But if he makes the team, that means they value him as a certain position. If he's making the team as a offensive lineman. I don't know if he'll be able to have enough reps to be able to learn the fullback position. True. But let's see. Let's see what happens. I, Poe's one of the most interesting guys. You know, because right now he's working as an offensive guard. But let's see if eventually they move him. If they think it, maybe he doesn't get it done there, they're just going to try to find his skill set in another area. I think he's going to be somebody that's fun to watch all throughout the offseason and in training camp. Uh, it's very true. It's very, very true, Ant. Look, TCC, you're not going to want to miss tomorrow. Make sure you set that reminder. Hit the like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell. That way you're notified as soon as we go live and as soon as Cutback Colony starts. And then don't miss the live Q&A. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, Ant, it's good to be back. I'm, I'm a little sad I missed all the drama last week, but it's fine. I still stand with Kinlaw. I stand with him. Are you are you squirreling the I'm Kinlaw? I'm squirreling the Kinlaw sign. Well, there you go. There you so, go. Yeah, I mean, and that's one of the things. And and you know, and uh, David Campbell says slightly offsides is great. And we did we did talk about the Kinlaw Grant Cone situation. Yes, he did. Uh, as only horse can, he was uh, pretty Kinlaw. Let's just say that. The shocking turn of events. He yeah. was pretty Kinlaw. And Alex is Kinlaw as well. Very so there Kinlaw. you go. Very Kinlaw without having to be bolsters <laughs> about it. Go, Javon Kinlaw. Do your thing, my guy. I'm glad to see the 49ers came out and rallied around him, though, Ant. Yep. But TCC, we'll catch you tomorrow. You don't want to miss it. And until that one, stay safe. And remember the right way. Is always the 49ers way.